The following talk was recorded at Label the Planet 2021 Empowering Users, the annual conference on current issues in ethics, social justice and technology from the Free Software Foundation. Label the Planet is a live conference and speakers often use slides and other visual tools to assist their presentation. You can see the videos of these talks at media.libreplanet.org or on the FSF Peertube channel. Label Planet speakers do not represent the mission of the Free Software Foundation. We host speakers talking about their use of free software in different kinds of political and commercial work. The FSF supports their freedom, but does not take positions on any political issues other than those necessary to uphold the principles of free software. Like all the FSF's work on behalf of the grievance of all computer users, Nemo Planet is made possible by thousands of individuals. To keep our work going, please consider becoming an associate member via my.fsf.org join or making a donation at my.fsf.org donate. You can stay informed by subscribing to our newsletter, The Free Software Supporter, at fsf.org fss and for more information on LibrePlanet, you can visit libreplanet.org conference. This talk is titled, The State of Software in Schools and What to Do About It, presented by Mariah Villarreal. Mariah is an educator who has worked in formal and informal learning environments for nearly 10 years and is dedicated to the use of free software and restorative justice with students. In this session, Mariah will talk about how proprietary software in schools violates the rights of students, how free software is the solution, and how you can fight for the computing rights of students in your community. Thank you, Alfred. Hi, hi everyone. Um, thank you for the introduction. All right, let's get started. You'll see here I have a link to a, an Etherpad. So I can try to share that in the, I'll share that in the Libre Planet chat in case someone wants to put that in the room chat. So um, hopefully people can be filling it out if they feel inspired throughout the talk. All right. Here we go. So just as a refresher, for those of you who may need one, we have the four freedoms. We have the freedom to run a software program as you wish for any purpose. All right, why is, well, freedom zero, why is this freedom important for education? Well, of course, we know that now we're in a technological age and it's extremely important now that students are learning how to use digital tools, and that includes software, of course. So we need to make sure that they're able to run that software. And we have freedom number one, which is to study how the program works and how to, uh, how to change it um, so that you can do your computing as you wish. This is extremely important in education because whenever we think about proprietary software tools in the classroom. At some point, there may be a student who is interested in learning about how that software works and they want to dig deeper. And if that student is in a classroom environment and they're unable to scratch that itch to really del delve into their curiosity and not be able to study, that really is uh, infringing on their, their learning freedom. And so I think it's an imperative for schools to be providing free software to their students so that they can continue to grow into their, into their learning process. All right, and 
Now we have freedom number two. You may notice that number was skipped here. <laughs> so maybe someone can make remake this graphic, but I really love it. Freedom number two is to redistribute copies so that you can help others. This is also important in schools because in at least in the United States um, education system, we're always teaching young, our young students to be friends and sharing is caring, right? So we need to be making sure that um, the software is, is shareable. And, and say a student wants to share this game, a, soft, a game that they are using on their laptop um, with another student, they, they have the right to be able to do that. And, we don't want our uh, little kids running around infringing on licensing um, um, issues, do we? It, it would be nice for students to be able to, to share that software. And not just students. Uh, one of the biggest demographics we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about software and education are, of course, the teachers. I think during the pandemic, there's been a huge there's been a huge overhaul in education systems across not only the US, but around the world. And we need to make sure that teachers are able to also share their software. And I'll get a little bit more into what that overhaul is looking like. And of course, we have freedom number three or four, depending on where you start, to distribute copies of modified versions. This is another important thing in education because a lot of schools and communities really need to be able to modify software to have something that really fits their community. And that's something that free software will flourish in once we are able to get more free software into schools. The fact that we, as a community, are able to offer modified versions of software, perhaps, in, in schools really is is one of the the biggest benefits we could be we could be sharing um, through free software and it's important to have these modified versions because I remember an example when I was studying I was doing a little bit of research in Uruguay and I think it may have been um, Walter Bender um, who was working on one laptop per child who told me this, but they had a different method for teaching the Pythagorean theorem. And because of the, because they were using free software on EXO laptops that they were giving children there, they were able to easily modify that so that the teachers there were able to, to teach the way that they were teaching the Pythagorean theorem before they had computers. So that's one small example of the the many, many things we could be modifying to make sure that communities can really use software um, in their best interests and um, with their ideas at heart. All right, so uh, kind of a big overview. Why is it important to have free software in schools? I gave a few examples. Um, I think we really need to, as a community, think about what is happening in schools and specifically public schools. And I focus a lot on K-12 education, so kindergarten all the way through um, secondary school. I think it's important to think about how public funds are being used um, for these public schools. And if we're having public funds, you know, used to buy 
software licenses for schools. Um, I think we need to take a step back just as a society and really think, uh, where can we be putting this, this funding instead? Uh, why don't we make sure that we're funding software projects that will maintain software in the public domain? So, and I brought up another reason, um, learning freedom. So it's really important for students who have that curiosity to really be able to delve into their, their learning and not hitting any barriers in their learning process. That's another reason why um, teaching free software in school is really important. I have this graphic here. It's one of my favorite graphics. And there's a quote by Gloria M. Zoldua who says, what we say and what we do ultimately comes back to us. So let us own our responsibility, place it in our hands and carry it with dignity and strength. And I try to use this in my work with schools. Um, and when I'm thinking about free software, because the thing about free software in schools, we can really take responsibility of the software and really know what we're giving to the kids. The problem with some of the proprietary systems, or really all of them, is that we don't know what's happening with the student data. Of course, there are laws that companies say that they're abiding by to protect student uh, privacy and student data, but it's really difficult to, to audit that, and that's something that free software allows us to do. We can read it, we can study it, we can know, all right, what are, what kind of information or what kind of data are they getting from our students and how are they using, how's that data being used to make uh, decisions? And again, I think about this quote whenever I'm working um, with students and with schools and thinking about what software I want to be putting in front of students and what software I want teachers to be uh, learning how to use, that we really need to be taking it into our own hands. Um, and one other thing is that um, one issue with the pandemic, for example, or really with the adoption of technology in schools, is that teachers have very limited amounts of time. And so they want to own this, um, like this phrase of taking responsibility, carrying it with dignity and strength. But there's so much, there's so little time for teachers to be dedicating to, to learning how to use a software tool. And so it's really important to, to make sure that school districts are taking the time to make sure that teachers are getting that um, professional development and really making space so that teachers can learn how to use these tools. And not just that, school districts also need to be planning thoughtfully and in the long term. Um, unfortunately, in the past year, a lot of short-term decisions uh, were made in the adoption of, of software, and I'll get, again, more into that. So I really also love this quote. It's about techno-solutionism. So that's just using technology as like the ultimate solution. Of course, all of these applications are gonna make our lives better. Um, so it says the fetish, the fetishism of technology in the public sector has been extremely lucrative for many private companies. And this is, this is just a fact. There are so many companies that are making billions of dollars. You know, there's the ed tech industry and they have um, so many investors. Um, and, and what 
and why are they why is it lucrative we also need to be asking asking that question especially whenever it's for publicly funded schools for example all right and so here are our proprietary uh companies that are really getting into the schools you'll notice that we have 60 percent 22 percent and 18 percent that adds up to 100 percent people so we have google microsoft and apple who are really just they're all in the schools and this is as of 2018 i don't have a more um a clearer picture of what it's looking like right now um but google definitely has a majority of the market share I can tell you from my own teaching experience um, that the school district I was working in last the last school year uh, just shelled out Google Chromebooks as soon as they closed the schools down. And that was um, a big win in terms of the digital divide and giving access to students. But at the same time, we have this market share of practically 100% of the schools, at least in the US, um, running proprietary software solutions. All right, again, this is just another graph that's, that's illustrating that. Um, I like to focus on Google and Google Chromebooks because they're really seen as um, a more cost-effective way um, of getting laptops into the hands of children. So uh, we really need to, to be critical of how Google is um, uh, getting into the classrooms and what kind of data that they, they are um, able to to basically mine from student profiles. Uh, the, the privacy laws are very wonky. If, uh, if you want to have a conversation about that after this, I can delve more in, into that. Um, but Google specifically, you know, and of course, Apple and Microsoft, they're creating tools that make it a little bit easier for teachers to, to use software in, in their classrooms. But really, it's a huge learning curve for the teachers nonetheless. So why can't we get free software into their, into their hands as well? These are just um, some, a little food for thought. And as I was saying, there's the precarious balancing of short-term funding goals with the need for a longer term strategy. When you sit back with teachers and principals and school leaders, they really do want the best for, for the students. And what's interesting is if you sit down with them and kind of discuss free and open source software, and it really is, it's a conversation. Um, it's, it's not, um, you know, there's a lot of this top down approach in terms of like, all right, the school district is deciding we're going to give 200,000 Chromebooks out in the next three weeks. Boom, all these Chromebooks are now in, in the hands of children, not only at school, but also in their homes, right? That's a short term, like we got the money, we're, we're sending it out right now. For the longer term strategy, it really is the long game. You need to be having conversations with teachers, principals, school district leaders, and they really do, they do get it. They are working as public school teachers because, um, because they feel they feel that need to to give back to community and to help the community flourish. So whenever you sit down and talk to them, what are these benefits? Really think about how you're going to talk about, you know, 
learning freedom and how free software really allows students to delve into that uh, source code. And of course, it's not every student who's going to do that, maybe a very small percentage actually. But if you really talk about the ethics of using free software, they, they do listen and they do get it. The problem is they are not sure where to look. And once they do figure this information out, they're not sure where to look for those uh, free software alternatives or free software solutions, really. And we need to make sure that there are places where they keep that information. So again, refuse that techno solutionism frame and reimagine technology as tools of liberation. That's, I'm really referring to that top-down uh, solution approach. All right, we're closing schools during this pandemic. We're gonna get the Chromebooks out um, and all the students are gonna have uh, laptops and, and then we'll just do school that way. That's the techno solutionism frame in that. Is, there's a, really a lot of um, uh, issues embedded in that. And of course, I'll, I can get into that, but there's, uh, of course, the digital divide, and then we can get into race issues, socioeconomic um, divides, um, which school districts are getting Apple computers versus Chromebooks, um, why is that happening? But uh, again, we really need to reimagine technology as tools of liberation, and whenever we do that, that really allows us to, to have those conversations that that will help teachers and principals and school district leaders see that, that free and open source software is the right solution. This is a little graphic from the Free Software Foundation. Um, don't let proprietary limitations stand in the way of discovery. Again, it's all about, it's when it comes down to it, it's about learning for me. And if there's anything getting in the way of student learning or and I'm saying student, but really think lifelong learning is the goal. So if there's anything getting in the way of that, that's really um, impending on, on my own freedom. And that's what is happening in these schools. And of course, I'm talking about Apple, Microsoft, um, and Google. I'm really referring to like operating systems and just their default software. But of course, there's things like uh, Adobe products where students are becoming creators of their own um, their own media, right? People are learning graphic design, photography, all these sorts of things. And and schools are having to pay light for licenses. They're, they're thinking that they have to pay, you know, millions of dollars to keep up with licensing. And I was actually just um, reading that, I think it was just a year ago, there was a study done um, saying that schools are really only using like 30% of the licenses that they're buying. So this is a huge waste of money also. And we really need to, to shine a light on that. Of course, I don't like to talk, personally, I don't like to talk too much about the money aspect, but uh, that's a bottom line for, for school districts. I really wanna know, okay, how much is this going to cost? So um, I'm going to shift a little bit over to where, where is free software uh, happening in schools? And you'll notice basically these free software solutions that I am going to show you are um, happening through government initiatives. So I was talking about a top-down level approach with you know school districts just buying thousands of Chromebooks and handing them to students. And all of the free software solutions I could really find are through government that are um, 
really complete. And, and um, well, I have this first um, example, Canaima Educativo, and this is happening in Venezuela. This is an older project. It's not 100% free software, but they still have uh, the ideals in their hearts, and they're trying to, to get more free software into the hands of students and teachers. So this is one example. Um, they're, they're having, um, of course, um, there are some issues going on in, in Venezuela. But uh, my point here is that it's a government uh, initiative. And so when we're thinking about top-down approaches, um, we, there, there is this, this uh, trend of free software coming into schools and into education systems through government initiatives. So if we think of government as the people and part of you know, our ecosystem, um, of community, uh, we really need to figure out, I think, in the free software movement, how to leverage government, uh, our government systems to get free software into schools. There, this is another initiative happening in France. Um, I was able to talk to one of the people or the person who's really leading this project in France, and it's to offer basically um, what you might consider something like the Google Suite, like with Google Docs, Google Slides, all of those things. Um, YouTube, for example, which YouTube is a whole other thing. Uh, I'd love to talk more to people about YouTube as well. But uh, they're trying to basically come up with um, um, free software, uh, free software solution. Oh. Um, I, I cannot lower, I'm not sure how to lower my mic at the moment. Let's see. Maybe that helps. Um, let me know if that helps. Um, so in France, uh, there is this initiative, and again, it's a government-funded initiative uh, where they're um, basically making it so, this is university level, I believe, the university students can um, have accounts going for NextCloud, Etherpad, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, sorry, I got a little bit thrown off by lowering my mic, but but regardless, this is another government-funded initiative where public money is being used for software that will be in the in somewhere near the public domain using free software licenses. This is another initiative. This one's older. Um, this one that I'm uh, in France. This one is an ongoing and uh, very current project. I'm not sure about the how current this project is, but again, this is another initiative in India where the government of Kerala um, really put the time and effort to make sure that they were using free software in their schools. And here's a, a project that is, I think, well-known, hopefully, within the free software community, at least for some people. There is a school district in Pennsylvania who they have open source school programs, right? So the students were actually, they're actually in charge of uh, debugging um, issues that are arising with their, their free software rollout. So uh, this is one of the greatest benefits of using free software is that the students could eventually become the people maintaining the software and helping debug and helping 
teachers learn how to use it and helping students, um, mentoring students to, to then also become um, some debuggers, which is really great. And you can see that example as well um, with the Plan Sabal in Uruguay, where um, there are students who are now me that got the free software laptops on the EXOs, and now they're helping maintain servers for those projects, which is just amazing. And again, that's that ecosystem and that community really working at play. The text here is really small, but I just had to screenshot this because I was thinking, all right, so we need to look, what are the government initiatives? I was thinking one of the best places to start would to see what are the government initiatives already happening in the US? And if you're not based in the US, I hope you do this as well for, for wherever you're located in, in the world. Um, but they actually referenced the Free Software Foundation here. Um, and I was just so happy to see that, I have to say. This is on the uh, education technology website for the US government. And they're talking about using openly licensed education resources. That is a mouthful. But if you are interested in free software and education, you should also be looking into the open education movement, which um, is really looking at more like textbooks and content for classes and not really focusing on the software side of it. Um, so they're trying to find freely licensed uh, materials for their classrooms like videos, again, textbooks, um, images, all, all sorts of content that they could, that teachers and school districts can be using in their classrooms. So look into the open education movement because there's a lot going on and there's a lot of um, a lot of attention really put, being put on that movement. And I think as a free software movement, we can really, I mean, they're referencing it here for the Free Software Foundation and the general public license um, on, on the website. And so I think we just need to kind of keep pushing um, in that direction and maybe gain some momentum by joining forces with the open education movement. Um, There's another point I wanted to make about open education. It, um, it really started gaining traction in the, in the early 2000s, I believe. There were a lot of people talking about um, free and open source software licensing, and then, you know, Creative Commons came to be. So, so then it started, then the open education movement really focuses on textbooks. They're really heavy on textbooks, um, but they're not really Think they're not really focusing on the platforms themselves. So you might see a, um, a provider of freely licensed textbooks on a, on a website platform, but that platform, the software that they're running to host that is not necessarily free software. There's all sorts of, um, there are all sorts of layers there that I think as a free software community, we could really be delving into and trying to to use that momentum to get more freely uh, freely licensed software into schools and school districts. And there are a ton of school district leaders who are really excited about this, about open education. And I have a link to that website um, so you can look at it uh, a little bit more. Um, I think that's here. 
right? So there's this hashtag go open. And uh, so this is the website tech.ed.gov slash open. And if you go there, you will see the, the districts that are already com committed to going open. And I think as a free software community, we could potentially see where are these school districts and perhaps contact these school districts and and talk to them about the software side of things. Because I think if they're already committing to to this idea of having freely licensed textbooks and different content in their classrooms. And again, they're they're committed not just on paper, but they're committing funds to this. I think we could potentially get, you know, funding for free software solutions in those school districts specifically. And I would love to um, to talk with whoever is listening here who's interested in doing that um, to figure out uh, who we can write to and what we can write to them and what kind of solutions we uh, can point them to. And if you have any solutions, please um, put that in the etherpad. I hope that made it over to the chat. All right, so if a school says, this is a quote uh, that I found from the Brookings Institute. If a school system decides to invest in free laptops, this study suggests that the quality of the software on the laptops is crucial. Now, in, in my experience, I have tried um, converting from a proprietary solution to free software solutions in classrooms and teacher I'm working with a teacher preparation program right now. And making that transition is there is a huge learning curve, um, but we do need to be thinking about the quality of the software. Sometimes I um, I tried to use Big Blue Button, and this was really my my lack of foresight here. But I tried to use Big Blue Button with video on for everyone um, for I think it was like 40 people, and that just did not work. People's laptops were overheating, um, so and that was again like a lack of of foresight like the blue button is not the tool for that and the quality of that of that session was lacking and whenever that happens because teacher um because in education time is so limited to be taking care of these things it really can turn people off from that that free software solution very quickly so that's something we also need to keep in mind is that when we are introducing these free software tools, we need to make sure that they're going to work and it's going to be smooth um, because it's just really difficult to get that adoption and that commitment if if there are bugs, um, major, major bugs that will allow, you know, for people's laptops to be overheating and for there to be bad connections and all, all of that. We need to think about the quality. These are some quality solutions um, that I've used personally in my own classroom and um, in the teacher preparation program that I'm working with. Uh, we have Moodle, of course. There's also Canvas, uh, and depending on um, depending on resources of a school district, I would recommend one over the other. We have for graphics, we have Inkscape. You know. Schools don't need to be paying licenses for for students to be uh, creating their own graphics using Adobe products. They could be using Inkscape and GIMP, and those are really full full featured um, software that work really great. 
So these are just some, some ideas. And all right, so I really wanted to have time for skill sharing and uh, talking about um, ways we can come together. One thing I will say is um, later today, I'm going to host a, a chat with anyone who's interested in joining. I'll put that also in the Libre Planet chat. Sorry, I'm not con completely connected. I was working uh, earlier today. I'll put the link to that in the Libre Planet chat. It's also in the Etherpad that I linked to earlier, and I'll put that in the chat as well in case you don't see it on the um, slides. But that meeting today will be at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. So hopefully if you're interested in this and you want to continue the conversation, we can do that there. I think hopefully I have some time for questions or any conversation. Of course. Uh, so the chat's actually been pretty lively, which is always great to see. Oh, awesome. um, so I do have one question here, and this actually spurred um, a lot of talk in the chat. Um, so you mentioned earlier that Chromebooks in schools are, you know, problematic. And in terms of Chrome OS, I think most everyone agrees. Um, but Chromebooks do come with Core Boot installed, Core Boot essentially being um, free BIOS. And um, Google contributes a lot towards Core Boot development. Um, you know, in fact, they hire a lot of Core Boot devs. Um, you know, so it's kind of a multifaceted question. Um, so in a sense, if a school has Chromebooks, which are essentially supporting, you know, uh, free, free hardware, and they give them with a free distribution, what would you think about something like that? If they come with a free distribution, that would be a huge step. That would be a, a, an amazing step. Google, why don't you do that? That'd be awesome. Um, you know, as long as we're taking steps towards having uh, fully free laptops in schools, you know, I think um, I may have came on a little bit too, uh, sometimes a little bit too strong, but I really do believe that we need to take a step-by-step -step approach. Sometimes a full overhaul isn't isn't um, realistic. And so um, I would love for Chromebooks to come with a, a free operating system. And if they are willing to do that on their side, that'd be great because putting the onus on school districts and on teachers and students, that is just, um, it's, it's really difficult for them to, to take the time to do that because there's so many other things happening in schools. Um, it's just not, and I would love for, you know, society to be able to to just do that on anyone to be able to do that on their own. And hopefully we can get to that point. That's not where we're at right now. And we need to take the time to nurture that and to really create the mentorship for that. So um, Google, if they could provide on the hardware, that'd be great. Or if they provide um, training to all of the school districts on, on how to convert to that, that would also be a good step. Of course. And that question um, came from Leah in IRC. Uh, this next question, um, sorry, just one second. I want to find out the uh, individual that actually asked this. The question is, are there any good resources on how to start this topic, that being open or Libre software in schools? And also, are there any good resources on how to, I'm sorry, that was actually just the same thing pasted twice. Are there any good resources on how to start this topic on open and Libre software in schools? And that was asked by Napilios in IRC. All right, Napilios, thank you for that question. So I, I've kind of um, 
so the reason why I, why I want to do these talks is to really get everyone to, together to be able to create those resources um, through, or to really curate them because there's resources all over on how to um, on how to do some of this stuff, but it's really not curated and that's the work I really want to be focusing on moving forward is getting that information um, together by anyone in the community who's interested in it. And I'm hoping that we can do that, um, um, you know, after this conversation. There may be some resources um, out there that I, and I can't think of them necessarily. I know that sh like Sugar Labs, for example, has a lot of good um, documentation on what they've been doing throughout the years. Um, Sugar Labs is an organization um, that that um, they have uh, the sugar desktop environment that is um, oriented towards student, uh, young, I think younger students, but also even high school students use it and it's activity based in the desktop environment is just completely different. I think I have an example of that here. Yeah, it kind of, it looks like this, but um, Sugar as an organization has some good documentation on, on what they've been doing and their participation in Google Summer of Code, for example. Um, so that's one, but again, I would really love to get together with people to, to curate that because there's so many initiatives um, that just need to be put into like a, a into one space. Um, yeah. Of course, that we can use as a free software movement specifically. And I've, I've played with sugar in the past. It is actually, even as an adult, I do find it quite entertaining. Um, this next question comes from GMIF or GMIF in IRC. Um, this is an interesting one. As a student, what is the best way we can make our school switch to 100% free software? Schools, you know, high schools, universities, what have you? That's an excellent question. Um, if you are a student, uh, I was, so I was teaching computer science at a high school for a couple of years and I would tell my students to refuse to use um, Google services, for example, to turn in their homework. And a few of them did that, but it was, uh, it was difficult to maintain because there is so much pressure from your teachers to really use those tools because that's what they're using for basically all of their other students. So uh, I think doing it that, like that way as like a, um, the one student standing up and saying, I want to use free software solutions uh, can be really difficult because your teacher really may not um, have the like, time or resources to, to accommodate for that, which is extremely unfortunate. And um, I wish that wasn't the case. So I would also, I would of course encourage you to try that out and also to talk to the principal and maybe get a few friends of, of that school. If you're at a university, um, I would maybe try going through, um, there's an Office of Student um, Activities and those sorts of things to try to organize on your campus with, um, and then talking to your tech department directly. I think that is extremely valuable. And um, I said talk to your principal, but actually talking to the, te the technology department of a school district is really where you're going to get um, bigger wins. Of course. Um, another, this is a brief question. We have about six minutes left. Um, Nupilius in chat uh, asked a good question earlier. Um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, um, all right. So let's see, I can 
I have an email address. Um, I'm Nomu, N-O-E-M-U on IRC. And should I put my email address on the, wait, did I make, I thought I made a slide with that, did I not? Maybe it's at the front. Okay, okay so we're... I have it here, yep. Uh, um, another... If you contact me through the, through any of those, I'll, I'll get back to you and we can uh, coordinate through email maybe. I'll put it in the in the etherpad as well, maybe email. Um, we're getting a few more questions rolling in. We have about five minutes left. Um, this one is from Just Anew. Uh, what do we do about professors that force students to use proprietary software? When they ask this, they're referring to professors that are using software that their department is not requiring, so more so individually. Oh, um, I would, I mean, if they're requiring you and thinking that you've probably tried having that conversation already, so you need to decide whether or not um, you're going to have the energy and the time and, and resources to talk to um, whoever is running that specific department or um, or again, trying to get a, a group of other students who, who can uh, back you up on this because if it's just coming from one student, unfortunately, it's just really difficult um, to convince a professor to change their entire work. It's, but the thing is, is that the professors and teachers, they have a workflow and they're trying to minimize the amount of time they're having to spend on, on looking at assignments or, and that sort of thing. So that's really like where they're coming from. So if there are more students, um, you have a, a better chance of them saying, okay, like I can change my workflow if it's a, if it's a percentage of the students. So I would really st like start talking to your peers. That's a good point. Um, this next question comes from QBFKGWNR. Um, what should students do when meetings are held on non-free platforms like Microsoft Teams? Um, yeah, this is tricky because sometimes I, I'm not a perfect free software advocate. You know, sometimes I do use non-free platforms for meetings and it's really tricky and I do uh, sometimes I say like I am using this, but I'm using it in protest. Like I don't want to be using this. We could use this. I, I do offer uh, another, like I might offer Jitsi, for example. And actually I did that a couple of times and we, we switched over to Jitsi and that was great. Um, they actually, you know, allowed me to express my concern. They listened to it and allowed us to switch. I know that that won't happen for everyone. So um, the, I think there are ways to dial in as, as well to those meetings. Um, if you feel like, uncomfortable using a non-free platform, um, if you feel too uncomfortable to go into it and say, and say you're protesting and can we use this other one, for example. Um, but yeah, these are, these are the tricky nitty gritty day-to-day -day problems that we all face. Of course, I understand that it is pretty difficult to go against the flow nowadays. Um, I just have one question. Uh, sorry, this is from Al Member. Uh, I just have one question. What do you do when school administration is campaigning specifically against using free software? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, if the school administration is specifically campaigning against using free software, um, one, and, and this is just me, I, I don't have experience doing all of these suggestions that I'm, I'm talking about, 
um, which is again why I want to help help build a community of people who are interested in this topic specifically. But if a school administration is doing that, it's then you really need to to go out into into the community, like talking. I haven't talked about parents at all. I'm so sorry for all to all of the parents, but um, talk with other parents, uh, students. Talk to parents. You know, parents are humans too, and we all live in these community in our communities together. And you can find enough people to to raise this concern to the school administrators. And and I would also um, start asking them like why why are they campaigning against free using free software solutions and and kind of breaking down what what are the problems that they're seeing with it and and figuring out how we can be solution oriented to um, to help them commit to using free software uh, and again i'm saying these things it's really difficult this is time consuming i talked about the short game versus the long game the, this has to be a long game uh strategy, I think. So of getting out there and having those conversations is key. So we have just about a minute left. Um, I don't think we have time for a question. Uh, I don't see one in the chat right now. Um, is there anything you'd like to say uh, just, to, just to finish off? Um, well, just thank you for letting me um, share any of this information that I have with you. I hope it was helpful. And I hope that people can join to later today at 7 p.m. for a chat. Um, if this was in person, I would try to get us all together for dinner. Um, but I'm actually really happy that it's online because I think hopefully there are more people participating than would be otherwise. And please try to join um, at 7 p.m. and that's on the etherpad, uh, that link. And I hope to see you there. That's all I have. Thank you.